Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Jordan Schultz, the NFL insider for the score, will join us uh, coming up. In a matter of minutes, Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. A little bit later, Christian Hackenberg, former Penn State quarterback and NFL quarterback, joins us. He's now a part of the podcast network called The Field of 12, and they break down all kinds of college football games, analysis, uh, live, right after college football is, well, it's not over whenever they're on, when the main games are done around 8 o'clock. I'd say they're jumping on and they go through and they, they go for a while. It's, it's really well done with some of the best names over the last 10 to 15 years. And they mix and match quarterbacks with uh, uh, many others across the college game. Check it out at the field of 12. It's the number 12. Uh, Christian joins us in our number three today. I had someone uh, that watches the show that sees in front of us here at sixth and Peabody, old yeah. Smokey and Yeehaw. There is a jar of pickles that sits right in front of my station, uh-huh. right here, yeah. uh, that is fermenting in moonshine. These are moonshine pickles. And someone dared me just during one show randomly, just take a pickle out and start eating it during the show. That would be because great. It's sitting I'll do there cherries if every, you do pickles. Every single day. Go um, ahead and pop it open. And I, I'm, I'm not oh, you don't gonna, have cherries over here. I'm not going to yeah. lie, guys. Ever since he sent me that text watching the show. Every day? I've, no, just today. I've been thinking about how good this pickle would be the whole time. <laughs> it's amazing. What subliminal messaging? Not even subliminal, just flat out saying, say pickle and moonshine and immediately, you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about downing one of these pickles. I could be in the same situation with cherry. I like a nice cherry. I had a, the the cherry thing, it's a little different for me because I had a buddy who had a bad experience by eating an entire jar of one of those in one sitting one time on a trip to Panama City Beach. He brought the, he made his own moonshine I think it was moonshine cherries. Yeah, and basically sat there all day on the who? beach eating them, and it was not a pleasant experience. Who was the, who was the uh, too much. U.S. president who died after eating cherries and drinking milk? Millard Fillmore <laughs> sounds like idea. a sounds like an urban legend, but I'll, no, I'll look it up. That's cherries and milk. He, he, that's he, a disgusting combination. He dined on a like a, a too many cherries and then added it with milk, and then there was like some. Reaction? Something something going on with uh, the food processing at the time. With I don't know. You have it there? No. <laughs> Search U.S. President Milk Zachary and Taylor. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. There you Listen, go. Listen, Fillmore is very close. Very close. Yeah. I mean, that's a narrow miss right there. Uh, we'll check in with Jordan Schultz when we can. We can we're efforting him. It's good. Um, coming up, good NFL uh, overreaction: thriving or surviving for year two quarterbacks. But. We, we won't dive in yet, but the the quarterbacks uh, that we can discuss now, and we're going to ask Jordan about this when he joins us, is Tua. Tua has been phenomenal. Jalen Hurts has been excellent. Uh, I mentioned both guys in my weekly column I'm doing for OutKick for the NFL accolades and uh, awards watch list. They're both listed at the top for me. I still have Allen 
leading things because I think he's the best player in the league. But both guys in prove-it years have started exactly how you would want them to in a prove-it situation with the talent that they've added around them. To me, it's I would describe both quarterbacks the same way I discussed the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are Super Bowl or bust. We've discussed that. Super Bowl aspirations, they come in and they beat two teams that won 12 games the year prior, handedly. Beat them bad. Handedly. And these two guys, these quarterbacks, Tua and Hurts, they have been exactly what they need to be for their teams in pressure-packed situations. Really good. Um, <clears throat> we were talking a little inside baseball uh, on text today about like a potential segment that I love. This was Chad's idea where – we could overreact in a positive way about something and not be our measured selves. And if we well, were doing that... to be positive. My well, idea okay, is negative yeah, yeah. also. Well, no, that's great. For me, I'm usually negative, so I would probably be positive in this segment. And if we were doing that segment, I would be all in on Tua, who I've been all out on. I could not be more impressed with what he's done, but I know I've got to be cautious here. It's a small sample size and all of that. But if I was being fanish, I, I, I mean, the guy looks phenomenal. If you just watch it, I mean, six he touchdown really passes, good. four in the fourth quarter, trailing by 21 going into the fourth. They've not just at wide receiver. I mean, they're, they're extremely fast at wide receiver. They've also improved his offensive line. They've improved his run game behind him. And look, negative me would say one of those touchdowns to Tyreek Hill, uh, he had to slow down. And he caught it kind of backing into the end zone. And I could pick that apart. That's not a great sign. But he was so open that it didn't matter that the throw was not so much short as late. Right? You want it to be there earlier. But it didn't matter because things are going so well and he's so open and the throw was it was fine given the circumstances of the play. It didn't matter. He's He's been really good. Jordan Schultz joins us from the score NFL Insider. And he's got the uh, a take on Tua where, Jordan, I know you're high on Tua moving forward beyond just the six-touchdown performance. And you think we, we see more performances maybe not living up to six touchdowns in a game. But the high level of offensive play in Miami, you don't think is going anywhere? I don't. And a lot of it goes back to my conversation with Nick Hicks. So I, I caught up with Nick Hicks. That's, that's Tua's personal skills coach. And I really wanted to know, guys, What's the difference between this year and last year? Because obviously it's a small sample size, but he's clearly throwing the ball better, as you alluded to. And basically what he said was last year, it was all about rehabbing the hip and trying to just have him withstand NFL hits and not really be able to work on football. This offseason, it was all about football. And, and what I mean by that is arm strength, mechanics. He was able to drop about 10 pounds, a lot of body fat. And maybe most importantly, go back to that arm strength, he was able to increase his max throw 15 to 21 yards. They had an eight-week program that they put together, and it was all about how do we get to it to comfortably throw the ball down the field, especially knowing we have all the speed. And you've seen it come into fruition. Um, he's second in the league right now in third-down conversions um, and passer rating at 151 behind only Josh Allen. Just to give you a sense, last year he was 42nd, 81.5, compared to 151 passer rating this year. Jordan Schultz with us. By the way, welcome to the show. We, we love having you back on. Um, hope, hope everything's going well with the score. Love the content on, on Twitter. Um, knowing, knowing Miami and knowing what they did in the fourth quarter to Baltimore's defense, what's the point total they need to reach to beat Buffalo Sunday? It's in Miami, right? So yeah. um, 
probably probably 35. <laughs> I 35. Think, I think they can that. get there. Yeah, they can get there. The, Buffalo's defense is really banged up. Obviously, they haven't had Trey White, but uh, the safeties, uh, Matt Milano with the pick six. So, and Ed Oliver didn't play. I mean, these are big, big time players for them. So they could get there. I mean, I think the spread is about a touchdown. Um, yes. I, I'll, I would, I would pick Buffalo, but man, that, that's going to be a really fun game. So Jordan, I follow your work at the score and, and your reporting and based on your reporting around the Titans, I would say that the Titans see a need at defensive back. Uh, at this point, that they're just scouring practice squad players with the Patriots and the Steelers to, to bring in to try to, to do something. You talk to people all, all over the league. Uh, we're close to it here in Nashville. We've seen the disappointment. Lost to the Giants, just get utterly destroyed up in Buffalo on Monday Night Football. Is there a sense of surprise around the Titans, around the league with this 0-2 start and how they've looked? Or is it more Absolutely. of a, oh, uh, we kind of saw some of this coming? No, it's, there's a lot of surprise. I mean, they were they were the one seed, right? So yep. they had a great season. And I think with Derrick Henry coming back and bringing in Robert Woods, there was, you know, even though they lose A.J. Brown or they trade him, they, there was an opportunity thinking that they could at least maintain or be around that level. And one of the biggest problems you mentioned has been the defensive backs, you know, I reported today, they, they signed Terrence Mitchell, Andrew Adams, a couple of DBs. We'll have to see if that helps them practice squad guys, but they will be on the 53. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, they, they're, they're still, when I watch the Titans, I see a team that is, is playing analog. And what I mean by that, and this is, I'm not trying to disrespect Mike Vrabel or John Robinson, but the game plan is just, you're not going to win a lot of football games the way they play. There's not a lot of big plays. They don't take shots down the field. And some of that's personnel. Uh, the, op- the, the offensive line has been a mess. And obviously Luan gets hurt, which is a disaster. They're just not, they're, they're, they're not playing winning football, but they're also not putting themselves. They're not giving themselves opportunities to, to, to win games or to be in games even. So that's, what's disappointing for me. Wondering about Jason Pierre, Paul, who've uh, visited with uh, the Ravens yesterday. I- I'm surprised he's he's not in the league. Is the perception that he's done, or are teams just waiting until there's a need? What do you think he's got left in the tank? And you think he's going to surface soon, if not with the Ravens somewhere else? Well, I reported it yesterday that he was going to Baltimore, and the first thing I asked was, "What took so long?" What took so long? He's 33 years old. Okay, I know he's not 27, but he's not a dinosaur. He's a three-time Pro Bowler, a two-time Super Bowl champ, and he's been a first-team All-Pro. And one of the things that I heard was, you know, he anytime you get to these premium positions, you know, pass rushers, um, even wide receivers, a lot of these premium guys that have great resumes, uh, teams get concerned when they get older because – they don't want to think they, they don't want to deal with a guy that still thinks he's here when he's actually down here. But in Pierre Paul's case, that's not the case. He, he's just like a grinder, man. And so when I asked these teams what took so long, a lot of it was, you know, we, we felt we had the pass rusher. We felt we had addressed it and we didn't want to spend the money to bring in someone else. And I just think that's crap. I, I really do. Respectfully, I think he's still got a lot left in the tank or something left in the tank, at least as a situational pass rusher. And uh, in Baltimore, obviously, we saw against Miami is desperate for it. And that's a position that you can never have too much of. 
Time back in Miami. You believe more in Miami or Philly right now? I had really high expectations that Philly could win the NFC this year. I would say the Eagles. Okay. I just think I think defensively they've shown more. I mean, against Minnesota, they were really impressive. I love what they did in the draft with Nicole Dean and Jordan Davis. Um, they bring in uh, you know James Bradbury. They, they, they did a lot, and, you know, Howie's very active, the GM there. Um, he's made his mistakes, but the fact that they were able to limit Minnesota the way they did, limit Jordan Jefferson, uh, Justin Jefferson after what we saw against Green Bay is awfully impressive. And then, obviously, Jalen Hurts is playing. He's playing at an MVP caliber level. It's two games, but, you know, I can't yep. think of a guy that's playing better quarterback. Are the offensive linemen Cincinnati brought in, did we all just – over presume that they were substantially better than the guys that they were replacing is it as simple as that are they just playing poorly and and can we expect them to get better is the scheme bad what what's the key to what's gone wrong for cincinnati where they're just as bad at the thing they were bad at last year but they're not overcoming it i think they're worse i mean he was sacked uh, he he. The, the Burrow broke the all-time sack record in a four-game playoff stretch. He's now been sacked twenty-one game, uh, twenty-one. Uh, I think it was twenty-one or six. What's the number? Sixteen times in two games, I believe, which is the most ever in the last twenty years to start a season. And they bring in Alex Kappa. They bring in Lyle Collins. They spent like seventy-one million bucks. Um, nobody's played well. I mean, Collins didn't have a great year last year. I think you know he he. He's had a very nice career, but last season was not his best year in Dallas. And uh, if you're Joe Burrow, I went back and I, I've now asked several scouts who are much smarter than me than identifying this. What's what's been the biggest issue? If you can say one thing, you know, and, not, and don't just tell me offensive line. Give me something like what's the problem? And what I heard was Burrow can't step up in the pocket because it's collapsing so much on him. And he's a when, when he's right, he's. He's got that ability to step up and make throws on the run, move the pocket, but he's been rushed so much now. And I like I know Dallas has a really good pass rush with with their guys. And and obviously Parsons had his day and Lawrence, et cetera. But when you watch the Bengals, they they look completely, completely off balance off, offensively. They haven't been able to run the ball with Nixon. So I, I I'm probably less worried about Cincinnati than respectfully I would be about Tennessee. Um, just because I think their offensive arsenal and their firepower will eventually wake up. But to your point, the offensive line has been awful. I'm a believer that some bad blood between franchises and a little bit of hate is a good thing for the league. Uh, And that's exactly Mm -hmm. what you have with the Saints and Tampa Bay in that series now, especially with Lattimore versus Evans. Did anything about that surprise you, Jordan? The suspension for one game for Evans, the altercation during the game – or could you see all of this coming a mile away? Uh, I was a little surprised, to be honest, that that they both got a suspension. I mean, you know, the league takes ejection seriously without question. But you know, I talked to Derek Gilmore today, and that's that's the agent for Mike Evans. I talked to him a lot last night and again today, and they had made a strong appeal based on the fact that you know here's a guy in, in Mike's case that doesn't have a real, a, a very big history in terms of ejections and fines. Um, he shoved, he, he, he shoved, but he didn't actually punch. There's certain language that they used. It ultimately didn't work. Didn't get the job done. Um, and they moved on. But to be honest, I, I was a little disappointed at, just as an NFL fan to see both of them suspended. Those are prime time players, Lattimore and Evans. 
Um, and now, you know, Tampa plays Green Bay and like they're already down Godwin. Julio's been banged up and now they're not going to have arguably their best receiver, Evans. So I was a little disappointed and frankly, a little surprised. Are you buying stock in San Francisco now that Jimmy G's back as the starter? I, I, I was already pretty bullish on them just because defensively, I think they have the best linebacker one-two punch in Greenlaw and Warner. Um, they obviously have, they got Travis Ward from Kansas City. He's a really good corner. They have a really good pass rush. I, their, their defense is going to be top five in the league at best. They're worse. Yeah. Um, offensively, the interesting thing now with Jimmy is that you can do more with him. And what I mean by that is because Trey Lance has not seen a lot, this is, I was talking to a scout about this. Basically, he said it now allows Kyle Shanahan to open things back up. He doesn't necessarily have to be so creative. You'll see a more traditional offense. And frankly, there is a comfort level with the Niners and, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Is he a top 10, top 15 guy? No, but he can win games. He won't lose you games. I think he had a 66.5 PPF grade, PFF grade. He had a couple touchdowns, 160 yards, and that's what you'll see from him. And, you know, I think as a result, they'll be more stable. The upside isn't there as much because Lance is really special and he's gifted, but he's basically played. Lance has 10, 11 games, 12 games in three years and going back to college. I think Garoppolo gives them a higher floor. Only way this tweet could have been better is if you included Tom Sula in it. You you wrote Nathaniel Hackett makes Freddie Kitchens look like Bill Walsh. <laughs> um, Guys, how bad how bad has he been? Is that yeah? Uh, am I overreacting? No. Or is that the worst one start? Yeah, I mean, Chad has just said he's done. Uh, Off of the first game, he said uh, he's after, done. We're, we're talking about this new segment where we're going to call it Acting Rash, where we just allow ourselves to go down a complete overreaction immediately. He did it without and the this segment. this is my, my first one where, <laughs> I, after that first game, I said, Nathaniel Hackett is done as a head coach. But we, He's so, dead to me as a head so coach. So the guy NFL. gets hired. All <laughs> the young guys get hired. You say, here's a bright young mind coming into How How could he be this not bright? Worse? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I think the only logical explanation is um, he hasn't been a head coach before. And this is a, a this is a far cry from helping Matt LaFleur game plan with Aaron Rodgers to call place. Um, you know, but Rodgers was that was like his guy, you know, almost, not more than LaFleur, but like the same level. But Adam, he Adam Gates him. was Peyton Manning's guy. He's so also I guess, he's, that's he's the son of a coach. Like, I don't know how it's been this bad. You know what gives me pause, though, Jordan, is when the broadcast is talking about, you know, Nathaniel Hackett came in, and, man, he was playing ping pong with with Aaron (laughs) Rodgers and just really took to him. And they're talking about things outside of football. Now, he is – Is he just paid uh, to be his buddy, and that's how he got a head head coaching job? He is different. I don't put him in Mike McDaniel category. But he is eclectic. I don't know if that's a great way to describe him. But if you, if you, eclectic is good when you're winning, not when <laughs> well, you're going no, to. Yeah, but the, one and one. But the ping pong story and stuff behind the scenes, like you can have a conversation with him and be fascinated with what you're talking about. I don't know how he was fascinated in kicking a 64 yard field goal in Game One in Seattle with Russell Wilson in his return trip as the new franchise quarterback under a new contract with new ownership, and you took him off the field. Like I think. Anyone here at 6th and Peabody that doesn't even know football, if we just went outside and asked, would you do this or that, they would choose the Russell Wilson option on fourth down. 100%. Fourth and five, analytics or not, it's the right move. Just for the sake of your football team, what message are you sending that you're going to kick 
a 64-yard field goal and take the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. At the very least, Russell Wilson has earned the right to win or lose in Seattle in his first game back. That's at the very that's the that is the bare minimum. And so for him to take that away from him was just asinine and inept. It was, it was just awful. And I, I can tell you this. I, I'm from Seattle. I had about 30 friends, 25 people at that game. They said it was the loudest they ever heard it, including the NFC Championships. There was no way in the world that the guy was going to – that Brandon McManus, who's got a big leg, was going to make that kick. But let's fast forward the next week yeah. against Houston, a game they probably should have lost. He has a 54-yarder, but they have a delay of game. So they push it back to 59. Now he decides, this is Nathaniel Hackett, you know what? I'm not going to kick a 59-yarder in altitude. I'm going to punt it. He, he, nothing he does makes sense. Um, you, they had, a, they had a, a third down and goal inside the 10 against Houston. I rewatched this game, so I'm ranting because I was just so yeah. confused. They had a third and 10. They ran an option with their tight end. They ran an option with their tight end, essentially playing the Wildcat quarterback, when Javante Williams was averaging 6.7 yards per carry and was dominant. So to me, I just look at the overall picture through two games, and I could not be less impressed. How much have you seen of the Raiders to this point? Yeah, I watched the – I didn't see it really anything of the Charger game week one, but I rewatched the the uh, Raider game. So I, I saw the whole second game and shocked. I mean, they were 20-0. Yeah. 23 to seven midway through the fourth quarter. I talked to Cliff Kingsbury after the game, and I think even he was surprised, you know, because you in the NFL, there's only it comes down to math. Like there's not there's not enough possessions. And the fact that they could not essentially just get a couple more first downs and ice it was was crazy. Um, I hated the game plan. Derek Carr looks looks so uncomfortable. I, you know, I've been a Derek Carr supporter, but man, I, I he looks terrible. And you know, Devontae Adams has put up numbers, but Waller has not seen enough targets. Renfro obviously had the two fumbles. Uh, another offensive line problem. Disappointed, to say the least, in the Raiders. I'm eager to see how they, they get back into more of a, an Adams focus. We saw that in week one. Uh, and yeah. they're, they're using him in a very similar way inside the red zone, as they should, because, I mean, if, if Rodgers got the Packers inside the five, chances chances are they're throwing it. They're, they're attempting at least a pass to Adams in that tight quarters. Uh, I'm curious to see how McDaniels and, and, and Carr will treat that situation with Devontae Adams. Well, yeah, and part of part of what McDaniels has said is that in the past, he wasn't good at, at delegating and allowing people to do their job. And I, I don't know if that's going on right now or not, but it just feels like it doesn't feel as bad as the hacker situation in Denver, but it does feel like He's a little overwhelmed, and you can see it in the offense. The game plan is not very good. It's very predictable. You, you go up against Arizona, who got completely destroyed. Granted, it was Kansas City week one, but, you know, they, they went away from what was working. They, they Again, they haven't given Waller the ball enough. Foster Moreau is a talented guy. They don't give him the ball. And um, obviously, the defense has not been very good either. So I'm disappointed in the Raiders. But I think there's enough talent on that team, top to bottom, one through 53, to still have some hope. Final thing for in the way out, um, your sense and pulse of what's going on behind the scenes in Indy based on their start, their shutout loss to Jacksonville. They have the Chiefs this week, and then they host the Titans. What could be in store if they don't get things on track fast? Yeah, they got they got Indianapolis or Indianapolis host Kansas City at home. Uh, it's a big game. I don't expect them to win it, but I think having assuming. 
Pittman is back. Uh, Alec Pierce is back. That'll help a lot. Um, the Jacksonville game was horrendous. And another coach that <laughs> Frank Wright, it's like, you, you got to be better than that, man. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying you have to win the game, but the, the, just because you don't have Pittman doesn't mean that you can't, you, you shouldn't have any success throwing the ball. Matt Ryan has three picks. Um, they just paid Quentin Nelson. So to me, like the, the on paper, they have a top 10 offensive line, top, at least upper half offensive line. They weren't able to create any holes for Jonathan Taylor, who had a pretty un- underwhelming game by his standards. There, there's got to be some pressure. And then Chris Ballard just, you know, for a guy that gets a lot of respect, there's certain GMs that get just the media tends to give a lot of respect to. And I'm not saying Chris Ballard's not a good GM, but he has not done a good enough job of fortifying the, the wide receiver room because as great as Pittman is and as good as Pierce could become, um, you, you need more. And I like Paris Campbell, and I, but you need more. They need it. They should have brought a veteran in. Maybe it will see why Hilton bring him back, but they needed another veteran in that receiver room. And as a result, not having it, you're starting to see the problem. So I expect them to be one and two against Tennessee. And um, that whole AFC South, fellas, is completely wide open. It is completely wide open. And even at 0-2, you guys are still in it, to say the least. Well, Jacksonville's saying the same thing. Why not us? It's the AFC Jacksonville's South. Jacksonville's better. It's the yeah. AFC South. But yeah, yeah, but now we see the difference from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson, um, That especially in the quarterback. I mean, Trevor Lawrence... He's obviously a really talented guy, number one pick, but he looks like a totally different player. They're actually using James Robinson. They're 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 saying to to, to Etienne, we're going to use you, but we're going to work your way up. This is Robinson's backfield. That was the right move. We heard all all throughout camp his Achilles is there, and you never really know. But Robinson looks great too, and obviously they bring in Christian Kirk. He's been awesome. So I'm excited about the Jags. I am. They're a very under undervalued, interesting story to this point because they have a high-priced free agent they brought in. You mentioned Kirk. He's playing well. ETN, they're balancing him run and pass. And and Trevor Lawrence looks comfortable and confident. And it, the division's coming back And it's to the him. AFC South. Yeah, exactly. Jordan, always great, man. We appreciate uh, you joining us. We hope to have you on again soon. And join your work with the score as well, both NBA and NFL. With all the, the great Mostly coverage. Mostly NFL, a little hoops here and there. But you guys talk hoops too, right? So we'll do it again. Any yeah. football, basketball, whatever you want. I'll do it. We'll do it. Pump up Jeter. <laughs> yeah, Derek yeah. Jeter right there. Yep. Love Thanks, it. guys. You got it. Thanks, Thanks Jordan. Uh, Jordan Schultz. Schultz underscore report is where you can find him on social media. Coming up, you have two options. Thriving or surviving. We're going through the year two quarterbacks and discussing which one we would choose for each player right now in the league. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So we have uh, still yet to see a rookie start right now in the league this year it's been the first time in 15 seasons a rookie didn't start week one for at least one team outkick 360 rolls on 
There are a number, though, of year two quarterbacks, and that l- led to uh, a down year at quarterback needs across the league. Uh, thriving or surviving? We can't play the middle here. You've got to go one way or the other, and we start, we'll go in order of the year two quarterbacks and where they were drafted. Number one overall to Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence. And I'll, I'll start, and then we'll rotate. Okay. Thriving. He is confident. He is on point. And watching him at home against Indy, um, I think he, he now knows he can trust multiple players within that offense. His offensive line did a nice job for him after not such a good start in Washington. Um, I, I think he's thriving under Doug Peterson and the fact that they're healthy. And, you know, uh, we don't see it often. Free agent signing comes in. You, he's a number three in Arizona. They pay him like a number two, and he's playing like a number one. That's a perfect situation for a young quarterback. I think he's on the come uh, for for sure. Um, I like, you know. Look, Christian Kirk's overpaid. Nobody disagrees with that. But you, it, I Not don't. Based on I his don't. Weekly salary. Right, I don't <laughs> object to what they're doing in terms of we're going to go get you a guy. He's going to be the guy, and, and, they, and the finances don't matter once you hit the field. That's, that's if you right, have right? the money, it's you got to pay what you got to pay to but, get him. At least he's. Right. A, he's I an think upgrade. they bid against themselves even there. They did, but we said so we. I found a good price on him. We bet him. You you doubled it. And said he'd scored two touchdowns. He did, and so uh, I think the surroundings, Peterson. I think all that stuff's going to take some time. But you went out and beat a team that you're good at beating at home. Yep. You did it very effectively, efficiently, thoroughly. Yep. Trending the right direction, and he played well. The, on Lawrence, just briefly, the, the thing I like around him is the same front office and Peterson being coming in, like who's in charge and who's doing what. Are they going to get someone that comes in that's an advisor, whatever. The fact that they, they were very deliberate in signing Christian Kirk. Yes. They identified him. And went after him among other options this offseason. They they bought stock in Christian Kirk, and so far he has done a phenomenal job of paying back in production what they gave him in salary. I want consistency. From it's Lawrence. early. I think Trevor Lawrence is thriving based on the vibe in Jacksonville right now, where they're looking around going, "Why not us?" After back to back years. With the number one overall pick. And again, the it's trend, not just them. It's the, trend, the division. The trend is good. He was terrible in week one of QBR 48. He was really good this last week. So that's the right progression from game one to game two. Uh, but he's he's one for two, I think, from a performance standpoint. 80% of his passes, over 80% completion percentage is last week, 25 for 30. Um, I, I like after this week, after the first week, I was asking the question, is this guy going to be good? I'm not sure. We got a little bit more evidence that he is on the rise in week two because that was a really good performance. Indy was terrible, but they were terrible in large part because Trevor Lawrence was outstanding in game number two after a rough start to the season. So I like where he's headed right now. I'm still not certain on him. I'm not completely sold, but I like that week two performance. So now we get into some of the muck here. Yeah, Uh, Zach Wilson is just surviving, right? We can all agree. To this point, yes, but I'm not ready to be done with him. No, but, I, but again, I mean, we saw. Uh, I it's was one up or the there. Other. He's not thriving. Yet. No, I was up there. Titans lost, uh, lost to the Jets, and a big surprise last year. He made some good throws on the move. They've got a good wide receiving core. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brees Hall, 
has some promise. Um, you know, their offensive line's a little bit messy with the back then injury and filling in with old guys and all of that. He's got a chance still. But he's he's certainly not thriving. You have to be playing to yeah, thrive. He's, he's barely surviving at this point. And if, you know, old Joe Flacco keeps coming from 20-plus <laughs> down in the fourth quarter and leading comebacks on the road, that's not going to bode well uh, for, for Zach Wilson. He's definitely in the survival category at this point. And, Paul, I mean, you said it. Part of it's not his fault. You know, he's he's injured right, right. now. So I, I reserve judgment on that, but he is definitely in survival mode. He's got some young receivers. Corey Davis comes up big. He's not young. He's a vet now, but uh, they've invested in that in the draft as well. Elijah that, Moore. That's, that's paying off. Um, Trey Lance, surviving. I, surviving. I, I need a third category for I, I do no, too. He, he's, I, he's surviving because he got hurt, and he now has another year to do things behind the scenes with Shanahan. But That's I think why it's the surviving. Leash, I think the leash, he's done for the year. So I think the leash next year, get, and this is what happens, it gets shorter year by year, yeah. right? So this year he had a pretty long leash. It was his. He was going to have to, and they were talking to the veterans, support this guy, all of that. That goes away now, especially if Garoppolo does just fine. And so next year, he doesn't get that. And then, you know, if he gets a chance or two and he's not good, all of a sudden we forget about him. Yep. And not just us. They start to forget well, about well, him. And but, all of a sudden it's over for the guy and he's playing – he's a backup somewhere else. Well, we, we forget about the 49ers if he is a bust in, in reality because of what they gave up for him in draft capital, right, just to move up to get him at number three overall. Uh, Justin Fields. Can I answer on Trey Lance? Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, uh, Expound. So – this is what's very difficult about this. Kyle Shanahan is a very smart guy. But Trey Lance going down for the season, and the 49ers are going to win. I believe they are with Jimmy Garoppolo. And they're still not going to be overly dynamic on offense. Even so, it's going to be difficult for even young genius Kyle Shanahan to completely move on to Trey Lance and away from Jimmy Garoppolo if they end up going on a playoff run again, which this team is capable of doing. So if what happens with the 49ers this year is what I'm expecting now, that Garoppolo's not going to screw it up for him, he's going to make just enough plays to be highly successful, I don't know how even Kyle Shanahan goes back into next season and said, hey, it was the Trey Lance show a year ago, bad start, then he got hurt, but it's the Trey Lance show again. It's going to make it more difficult. If Jimmy Garoppolo sucks, it makes it very easy. For Trey Lance. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to suck, though. I don't think he's going to suck either, but I do think he's going to get hurt. And when he's hurt, I don't know what the hell he, they're going to do. He does get hurt. Mm -hmm. You're right. Um, Justin Fields, number yeah. 11 overall in Chicago. Thriving. Surviving? Yeah. Sur surviving. I had the under for 165 yards passing on Sunday Night Football for him. He had 42 at halftime. I was feeling pretty good about things. So that's... Barely in survival mode. I saw this somewhere, and I agree. Justin Fields is who Lamar Jackson haters think Lamar Jackson is. That's, that's a good. That's, that's a, all you need to know. That's a good good analogy. That's fair. Mac Jones in New England. If you didn't watch on Sunday, it was a struggle, but Mac Jones made some big plays that ended up helping New England get their first win of the season on the road in Pittsburgh. Thriving is a strong word. Thriving yeah. indicates success. I don't feel like he's having success. He's had more success than Trevor Lawrence, and we said Trevor Lawrence was thriving. Well, he's had more last year. He's in a new system with new guys, and I don't feel yeah. like the arrow's up.
That's he's, I'm gonna say he's not with Josh McDaniel. I would say for this offense where they are right now, he's thriving. Um, because they're not asking much out of him. I don't think he's ever going to be a superstar in this league, but for what he's been asked to do, I'm going to put him in the thriving category. What impressed me most about the Patriots on Sunday, watching the end of that game, all the Pittsburgh needed to do was stop them running the football late to get the ball, and they could not do it. It was eight, nine yards Their of carry. Their defense was an issue last year. By the Patriots, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know they're going to – Mac Jones isn't throwing it. They're going to turn around and hand it off, and they could not stop it. It's very un-Pittsburgh. But very impressive by New England. To have a bad run defense and then not fix it. Yeah, to, to run when everyone knew they were going to run. Uh, thriving is too positive a word for me for him. Kyle Trask, um, back up in Tampa Bay, but has a role. As we continue to roll through this, uh, he was the 64th overall pick. That's high investment for uh, where he is on the pecking order of three quarterbacks if for the Bucs. Brady is working for Fox next year, is Kyle Trask looked at as a a good replacement for him next year? I don't think he is. I no. think he's, no, he's, bar- he's barely backup. Barely hanging yeah. on as a backup right now and would have no faith in him being the guy when Brady retires, which is going to be very soon. Kellen Mann was drafted ahead of Davis Disaster. Mills, who we're going to get to, but he's now with Cleveland. He was cut by Minnesota, and he was cut going into year two, drafted 66th overall uh, by the new regime that's more off- offensive focused. So, yeah, they didn't like him. Yeah. I'm going to put him good. into a third category, dying. Yes. Um, no third categories. Davis Mills. He's thriving. Guy's a pretty good quarterback for on a pretty bad team. Now, he, he was not good Sunday against Denver. But he overall, awful. he was awful. Um, he's he also is quarterbacking a team that has an extremely low bar to meet right limited now. talent. So it's it's crazy. Is he really thriving though. I mean, he's thriving for a third round pick that's a starting quarterback that no one really believes in. Right. It's all about yeah, perception of who he is. Contextually thriving. Yeah. But I mean, if I'm looking at second year quarterbacks that are starters in the league. I'm putting him squarely in barely surviving mode. It's the fact that none of us, he's overachieved based on what we expect. We get John McClain on and ask him about Davis Mills. He acts like he's the second coming of Johnny Unitas, and we all laugh at that. Yeah. But yet the guy continues to hang on, and he's not terrible. So, I mean, I, based on what I think of Davis Mills, he is absolutely thriving. Based on the league and actually having a franchise quarterback, right. barely surviving. He could be the starter barely there surviving. next year. And if he's the starter there next year, he has thrived. Right now, he... And, and they could have a top three pick. Uh, Tannehill is completing just 2% more on a completion percentage. That's 2% higher than Davis Mills. Just to put that in perspective. Um, same thing goes for... Uh, passing yards he's in the bottom third of passing yards uh, in the league by the way you want to know the top one three weapon, right? let's give you the top five who's their second weapon after after cooks nico collins um well their second weapon should be damian pierce based on the preseason but yeah, they're they're not working him in he doesn't um, have a lot is my point yeah no that's that's fair um your top the, the top five passers through two weeks I think two of them are relatively easy to guess. Two has got to be close to the top okay. after this yes. week. He's number Lamar. one. He's uh, number one. Josh Allen. Josh Allen's in there, yes. No, Lamar didn't have a lot of Pat Mahomes. Second. Pat, Pat Mahomes is just outside at six. Okay. Um, give me a second. Let's go. Jared Goff. 
Jared Goff is I'm a flyer further here. down the list. Okay. Um, he's not in the top I need, 15. I need teams in front of me. Teams. Give me so standings. I don't know if you – it'll take you a oh, while. Oh, Herbert? Uh, Herbert, yes. Okay. So we have three of the five. Two right. is number one. Josh Allen is – For the record, I've gotten all three of them, Paul. Your turn. Josh <laughs> Allen is – Two is one. Josh Allen is fourth. Herbert is fifth. We're looking for two and three. Give me, give me a second. Stall for a second. Sing for us, Chad. Not Mahomes. Sing for us, uh, It's not Aaron Rodgers. It is not. I'm just looking for uh, standing. Cooper Rush. <laughs> no. uh, Cooper Rush. Let me... It's, not, it's certainly not Joe Burrow. It's not Russell Wilson. Nope. Although he's top 10. I'll give you guys uh, 15 more seconds. It's, you said it's, it's not Mahomes. I know, I know uh, Commanders. Yes, Carson, Carson, Wentz. Wentz. Carson, Wentz Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has done quite well. Second in the league right now in passing with 650 yards. Yeah, he's been pretty good. He's been pretty and good. And number three, guys, I don't think you would guess this, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco <laughs> not have is third that. in NFL in passing, ahead of Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, ahead of Josh Allen, who whipped the Rams and the Titans secondary. And Joe Flacco has more passing yards. I've got does. Carson Wentz as a backup to Tom Brady in a league. And, I mean, if you look at the numbers, it looks ridiculous to be starting Tom Brady over Carson Wentz. Ridiculous. Hit us up with your thoughts, uh, Thriving and Surviving, at Outkick360. Coming up, the mansion. Brady was once renting yep. this mansion in Tampa Bay. His first year. From Derek Jeter. And wait until you hear the details of what's taking place there. Uh, that's next at Outkick360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up, we'll take a look at Thursday Night Football. Kicking off tomorrow, Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Then Christian Hackenberg joins us. That's in roughly 30 minutes from now. Looking forward to that conversation on college QBs. So uh, Derek Jeter rented out his mansion in Tampa to Tom Brady and Giselle last year, or two years ago. Two years ago. And the yeah, year one in Tampa. Yes, year one. Uh, he since sold it for $22.5 million, which is a record price for this area ever. Most expensive home sold ever. 22,000 square feet, seven bedrooms, 12 baths, a gym, a theater. I mean, you would expect that. Gym theater, 80-foot saltwater pool. It is now, it's been purchased, and I would assume when I saw this story that, oh, here's, you know, there's a difference between being rich and wealthy. And if you buy something for $22.5 million and you're tearing it down, I would assume you're rebuilding a better home there. But Paul, you mentioned the the Post has it as a uh, a commercial. Yeah, the uh, New York Post says up. it couldn't get a comment on what the plan is for it, but it said records filed in the last week show a demolition application for commercial purposes has been submitted. So I thought, like, oh, you're, oh, I was like, they're tearing this thing down. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's not old. It's only one point two five acres. It's like the Giselle of properties. 
But these neighbors, these neighbors would have to sign off on on a residential place being made into a well, commercial thing, and I can't imagine they so would like that. I don't. The commercial thing really throws me off. My assumption was, if you're tearing that down, you're creating some sort of condo system or multi-home. Like you're going to put yeah. multiple nice homes on that Again, lot. It's only an acre and a quarter, though. Yeah, Space but I mean, wise. you could put some. You know, we see tall and it's skinnies on, going up all over Nashville. You could put things that are higher. We should mention it's on the and have bay. Multiple homes. Got to be a height limitation based on blocking uh, everybody yeah, else's view. I, I'm very curious to know what goes there. Me too. Brady did say in his interview with Howard Stern that while G- Jeter did a good job, kind of uh, privatizing it. But when he was in the backyard, you know, people could see him, like boaters going by, the fellow filthy rich, um, and other people. It's not the most private of mansions. You think of mansions you, of this style. Well, yeah. Do you think you in the, there is privacy. no yard, by the way? Do you think it, in it the, is literally the right on the bay? Do you think in the year that Tom and Giselle lived in that place, they used all twelve bathrooms? Or were there bathrooms oh, that I were mean, unused? If you live if you in a house bathrooms. like that, I think that's one of your missions as soon as you move in. Yes. But have like, sex in every room. But like every guy, <laughs> use every bathroom. Every guy would have their favorite bathroom, though. Yeah, you know. Or that yeah, one's I mean, mine. The furthest one use, away. Uh, yeah, that's just, on, man, taco that's a, night. That's a lot. It's um. I mean, it's it only, a nice it only place. works in like small homes compared to this. I mean, I don't know if you know. If I'm it's taking taco, the if shuttle. It's taco, if it's taco night, you may not make it. I'm taking this the place. shuttle to bathroom yeah. twelve. See you in an hour. We oh. haven't checked out the one in the second there gym he, yet. Is the iPad charged in bathroom I, 12? I just can't imagine buying this and tearing it down. No, it's insane. Yeah. How old is it? It doesn't look old. No. <laughs> I mean, I've seen the pictures and it, it does not look old. No. You can Again, refurbish just like that Giselle. if need be. Headlines when we return on Outkick 360. Hang with us.